Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another fabulous episode of the Geek Down Podcast, the show where two friends come together and try to figure out where their fandoms intersect. My name is Caitlin McKinnon, <laughs> and his name is Jordan Ferguson, <laughs> and this is episode 54. And Jordan, how are you? Jordan? Duh. What? How are you? So, friends, here's the thing. Normally we do this on the weekend. At least it's been well established, Saturday or Sunday. Kate rolls through the city, and this is when we do this. Kate got real sick this weekend. Oh man, I got so sick. I was so sick, I had to miss work last week. So you know it was bad. And Kate's like, I can't make it. And Jordan was like, well, fuck it, we ain't gonna have an episode then. And Kate was like, I can come in on Monday or Tuesday. I was like... After work? Ugh. I'm on five midnights in a row this week, friends. One of five concluded yesterday as we're recording this. So basically, your mans came home, slept, woke up. Alarm was set at 425 in the afternoon. Woke up already to text messages from Caitlin going like, are you awake? Because I'm almost there. <laughs> I said I would be there. In I'm between like, what? Four and I haven't five. eaten. I'm <laughs> naked. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> So, yeah, we're recording an episode, so this so, is totes Kate in the driver's seat right now. So, Jordan is sick, and I'm tired. And together, we combine to become sick and tired. Sick and tired. So, Jordan McKinnon and Caitlin Ferguson are <laughs> sick and tired. Um, all right. Also, this episode, besides being sick and tired, um, it is also going to be quick and tight. Light and tight. Because here's the thing, friends. We talk about this Patreon business that we're going to be doing in the next couple weeks. So we don't die providing bonuses for people who are so kind enough as to donate to the cause. We got we to gotta tighten up a little bit here. Just a bit. So we've been we've been sprawling, having a good time with each other. You know, Kayla and Jordan, they have too much fun. We have too much fun. People say it all the time. <laughs> they walk walk through the streets going, that Kate and Jordan, they're just having way too much fun. Do you fun. have any criticisms about the show? You guys have too much fun. Way too much fun. And You're way I, too funny. And I have too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I get nothing. I'm just laughing. They're going to call the police on me because I'm just laughing in the streets all the time. They think I'm a crazy person. They do. So to that end, yes, so if we're going to do like bonus episodes and whatnot, uh, we got to tighten these up to about like four, a smooth 45 minutes or so. So <laughs> <laughs> famous last words. If you want to prove us wrong and ag- aggregate all of the length of all of our episodes, there are a couple of ways you can do that. The first one being SoundCloud.com slash GeekDownPod. The second one being iTunes. Give us a follow on either of those or subscribe. And Chauncey, the internet elf, the, uh, I would like to say, geek down internet elf, will uh, come and deliver them to you. He just rides the rainbow of friendship, sack full of geek down episodes slung over his shoulder. He's just like, hey, what's up? I heard you wanted some geek down. And he just smashes it right in your face. Sounds violent, but you won't even care. It's like a pillow fight. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. This episode is going to be... Whoo- Hey, hey, light and tight. Let's do this. Light and tight. Let's do this. Also, I'm on a lot of drugs. I just I feel like 
I mean, they're going to be like, wow, Jordan sort of like seems out of it. And Caitlin's really amped. Caitlin's so amped right now. <laughs> it's because I'm on a lot of, a lot of drugs. So, to that end, news, who had time to look? I didn't. I was sleeping. But I do have one thing to point out. Oh, yeah. It's very important to me. Um, so, we knew the Queens were going to have a new single coming. Yes. For those of you who are either new listeners or don't How do you know, people not know this? The Queens are Perfume, a Japanese electropop trio that I stand over in the vernacular of the day. And He's obsessed with I am obsessed with them. I went to New York to see them twice. I watched the same show twice. The only thing different was the banter, and it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't see his face, folks. It was just for the different banter. Achan took her shoe off on the first first one. My God. Um, So we knew they were doing the theme song to this, like, you know, I'm sure terrible. Tokyo TV drama or something called Tokyo Girl. So they had a song called Tokyo Girl. And this is the Tokyo Girl song. Was, mm, mm, it's kind of yeah, slow. Meh, meh, a little, little laid back. Um, but it's not supposed to really stand out too much because it's for, it's for a TV show, right? It's not supposed to, like, overshadow it. Yeah. We knew there was a B-side that was done for a toothpaste campaign. Amazing. <laughs> That's what happens with perfume. Every song is always for... A campaign. All the singles are always for advertising campaigns, and mm-hmm. then you go out and you buy the album, and there's like five songs that weren't made for anything, and those are always the best songs on the album, because right. it's just like, same guy does all their music, all their lyrics has done so for like 10 years. It's very complicated. We can dedicate, there's a Patreon exclusive for you. It's just <laughs> Jordan goes in and explains to you the finer details of perfume fandom and what it represents. Um, but we were waiting for the B-side, and the B-side dropped on, uh, on uh, Japanese radio last night, which got ripped within you know, minutes. And oh, it's just a slice of delightful pop bounce. And listen, the world is on fire. It continues to be. <laughs> so if the Queens want to bless me with three minutes and 30 seconds of uh, mid-tempo pop bop to take me to my happy place. Why not? You know what I say? You know what I say? Thank you, Queens. Bring it on. Thank you, Queens. Um, I was actually going to go into something else, but thanks, as we're thanking people, okay. I would like to thank Netflix. <laughs> Just in general? Just in general. I always want to thank Netflix. Uh, one of the questions we got last week was about what would we want Netflix to like swoop in and save or I guess like make. Mm. Um, so it was funny because I... I'm not a huge fan of this game or the series of games, um, but I was thinking about how they would make a series out of this. Um, Castlevania. Netflix is making a castle. Um, I believe it's an animated series that they're is making. Is it animated? Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of awesome because I was like, how would you make Castlevania as like a, like they have so many, they have that, uh, what's the Van Helsing series and mm. Yeah, it just, they need to stop it with the, like, vampire-slaying ghost finder serieses. Um, anyways, so they're making that. And then another thing, and this is the thing that I was like, oh my god, about while I was on my phone. Um, so they are rebooting The Magic School Bus, which is one of my favorite shows of all time, hmm. um, called Magic School Bus Rides Again. And guess who will be playing Miss Frizzle? Just guess. Guess. Just keep guessing. Come on. Guess. Let's go. Kate Hudson. Kate McKinnon. Yeah, that fits. 
Not this Kate McKinnon, not the good Kate <laughs> McKinnon, the other okay Kate McKinnon. Man, if that Kate McKinnon wanted to host this show, you'd be fucking out of here. I know. They were like, hey, hey, Caitlin, do you want to do the voice of Miss Frizzle? I'd be like, <laughs> and then she could take my place. Well, yeah, let's be fair. If the if it the other Kate McKinnon was like, it should be Kate McKinnon squared, I'd be fucking out of here. Yes, it should. <laughs> you'd boot my ass the fuck out. I would be like, sorry, you gotta hit the road um so yeah i was just very very excited about that because magic school bus so sure i don't know it's past my it's past my day oh man that's how i figured out so many things about life and (laughs) the body and (laughs) how it rains (laughs) i figured out so many things about life and the bus the bus is magic so is miss frizzle um so yeah i just want to thank netflix for that Thanks, Nerd Flirks. Thanks. I do have a little bit of other news. Good, because I have nothing, because I've been awake for an hour. <laughs> it's very particular to me. Okay. Uh, the first thing being, my cousin is amazing and uh, is behind one of the newer Star Trek leaks. What? So, on my Facebook appeared this... <laughs> on my Facebook? On my Facebook appeared this this photo. From uh, uh, my my uh, my cousin's Instagram, being like hanging out with my new Klingon crew, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I had mentioned that it was filming in Toronto a couple of times. This is the new oh, Star this is, Trek this is Discovery. We're talking about. Star Trek Discovery. Um, I had no idea that he was. He does some extra work sometimes. He's actually a, a professional musician, but um, mm. when times are slow, usually the winter when touring's not as not as frequent. Um, he'll do some extra work or some modeling, that kind of stuff. Um, and I had no idea he was working on it. And I kind of had this meltdown and like messaged him a million messages being like, oh my God, that's amazing. Are those really Klingons? And like really nerdy questions. And uh, uh, he was like, yeah, he's, he had sort of said that like he was about to go to bed but uh, yeah, those were Klingons, and uh, he'll talk to me about it tomorrow. And I was like, I have a million other questions for you. And then the next morning, I get a, a message being like, um, by the way, could you just make sure not to share that picture? I might be in trouble. <laughs> because, and now it's on the Mary Sue. I was say, did it get picked up anywhere? Or, or no, sorry, it's on io9, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and they look a lot more like the newer series, like, like the new movie series, Klingons. They... Mm. Uh, for those of you who care, not Jordan, not Sleepy Jordan. It's not that I don't care. I just didn't actually ever finish the <laughs> new Star, the first Abrams Star Trek. Like the movie or all three, or like the three? The... Like the first movie. Oh. I was like half of it and then, I don't know, I saw a butterfly and <laughs> chased after it instead. Or did you see, did you see uh, what is it, uh, camera flare and get distracted <laughs> by something? <laughs> like a... No, and then like, I saw some lens flare, and I thought something was glistening off in the distance, and ran after it. Mm. Um, yeah, they weren't particularly good films, uh, which is a pity because there were some good people quit, who worked on them. Quit trying to hit me! I'm 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 just talking with my hand. I'm really amped. I've got so many drugs coursing through my system. Guys, I'm scared. Anyways, so a I thought that was amazing. B I was like, you're kind of like internet famous. <laughs> but not for a good thing. Um, and also, I'm just going to harass him with lots of questions. The Star Trek deep. Th- if he's not fired. <laughs> well, I mean, you didn't know. I hope they don't fire him. Mm. Anyways, I just thought this kind of cool. And other important news to me. 
as we know, I'm a big D&D player. And at the moment, the campaign I'm part of, which is like the best campaign ever, anyone who listens who... I don't know if anyone from my D&D group listens besides Senior Correspondent, but uh, you guys are amazing. We have the best time. I play a, I play a warlock. And Wizards of the Coast, who are the publisher for the, all the D&D books and... Um, different versions of Dungeons and Dragons uh, have just released a class expansion for Warlock and Wizard, but nobody cares about Wizards. You can go fuck off. Um, Jesus. And uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, they have some really cool abilities. It's, uh, they've just released it for play testing. So you, you sort of run with it, see how it works, and then you give them feedback. And it's basically sexy as fuck. Um, and <clears throat> anyone who's, what? Anyone who, who's interested in um in D D or in warlocks you can hit me up you can get at me on any of our socials uh or our facebook group which is at www dot facebook <laughs> dot com forward slash geek down pod why would you do that to me because <laughs> hilarious <laughs> i'm barely here right now why would you do that to me no sorry folks you have no idea what his face just looks so lost it was so worth it literally standing in traffic at that moment just like what is happening <laughs> um all of our socials are at geek down pod are uh What's it called? Twitter. That's yeah. the one. Um, which I lurk in the shadows, but I, I do watch. Um, <laughs> our, uh, yeah, Tumblr. Our Tumblr, which I haven't really done anything with because we're I'm sort of waiting for stuff to happen with our, our Patreon. Uh, listen, let's be honest. Once Patreon gets up and running, the Tumblr's probably going to die by the wayside. So. Po- possibly, possibly. Um, and uh, also, we have an email address, which we sometimes forget to to uh list but it's geekdownpod at gmail.com yeah and you can um talk to us there about role-playing games or about um actual D stuff in particular or how i like playing an amazing awesome sexy warlock tiefling warlock by the way which i which i love i'll just answer that here there you go i guess you don't have to write um but <coughs> What? Wait, you were letting me take control of the show today? This is what you're going to get. I apologize in advance, everyone. So much caffeine in my bloodstream <laughs> right now. And this is why when she's like, I have caffeine pills, I'm like, mm, pills kind of freak me out. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. Just don't mix them with cold meds and Advil and some other things. Just don't, just don't do that. Enjoy it now, friends, because once the Patreon's up, doped up Caitlin will purely be a... Minimum two dollar a month. <laughs> a minimum, minimum. Um, but that's it. That's all I got for news. Um, the only thing I have, if it passes for news, I guess. Um, so I guess this would be the uh, the final. Is it the final or the the full? Um, Ghost in the Shell trailers out. We ain't gonna talk about that because, as established many episodes ago. This is the one that we are drawing the line in the sand over. Yeah, and I even had to close my eyes during the Super Bowl because they tried to play the trailer on me. <laughs> they tr- they tried it. They did, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't give not, in. Not happening. Um, but on the heels of that, uh, your girl ScarJo and Marie Claire finally address these uh, whitewashing concerns that have been lobbied against her in the film and since its productions. Uh, I'll give the exact quote, but the takeaway is basically, um, 
I would never want to take anything from an actress of color, but uh, they haven't given me a Black Widow movie yet, so. So fuck you. So I'm going to do this. <laughs> this is a quote on Polygon is as follows quote diversity is important in hollywood and i would never want to feel like i was playing a character that was offensive johansson said quote also having a franchise with a female protagonist driving it is such a rare rare opportunity side i am marvel <sighs> certainly i feel the enormous pressure of that the weight of such a big property on my shoulders here the thing though okay so yeah she's the lead yeah when you actually dig into the cast list of the movie yeah it's pretty Possibly more so when you factor in other actors of color. But I mean, as far as like Asian actors and non-Asian, it's closer to an even split than I think people realized. That's good, I guess. There's a lot. There's a lot in there. But I mean, it's her name on the marquee and it's her face on all the on the promo ads. So, yeah. But there you go. Will the movie be good? I I couldn't tell you. Don't know the first thing about it. So there you go. There's a social just update. I like that. Of of the moment. We should have a Soch Just Corner. <laughs> the the Soch Just Corner? Yeah. <laughs> Easily flag for all those people who hate that shit can just like bounce out. Or we call it the the, the Warrior Corner. Oh, but not like not like the gang going to Coney Island. No. Warriors <laughs> not, come out to play. Not, not, a, not a discussion of fabulous 70s Walter Hill movie, The Warriors. Though I feel like that would also be a great Patreon, like 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 <laughs> gift just us talking about just the us warriors. Talking about the warriors. Well, no, let's light and tight, but point at your face. Oh, he's pointing right at my face, and it's so uncomfortable. Do you legitimately like the warriors? Yeah. Okay. Why? Uh, the same friend who pointed out to me that like all dudes have a thing with Weird Al. Yeah. Followed up randomly one day, apropos of nothing, was like. All dudes love the Warriors, too. And apparently, Kay- all dudes in Caitlin. <laughs> all dudes in Caitlin um, love the Warriors. Uh, I don't love the Warriors, but I, I, I really like the film. I thought they did amazing things visually with it. And it's kind of, you know, awesome concept. And I was young when I first saw it, so I it, it hadn't been like anything else I had seen. Yeah, go watch the Warriors. Jordan apologizes for not having any news, but here's the thing. When Caitlin doesn't show up, Jordan doesn't look for news. Jordan watches all the things, so he's really driving the show in, uh, in updates later on. Oh, yeah, man. You're going to have all the updates. All the updates. And we'll talk about all that later in the show. But before we do, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Caitlin and I will talk about the things we each brought each other. Oddly, oddly synchronous this week. I love it when that happens. Isn't it? It's so rare. I know. It's so rare we got to take it when it comes. BRB. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. This is the part. Oh, we're still doing this, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, this is the part of the show where Caitlin and I talk about the things we brought each other. That's right. Okay. We're actually doing it this time, right? We haven't done that in a while. We're actually doing it. Okay. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, we have rules. We do have rules. Question mark. 
the first rule being the rule of three. Doesn't apply this week, but the rule of three is the rule that states no matter what it is, if it runs on installments, parts, episodes, issues. Cycles. <laughs> equinoxes. Equini? Equinoxi? Oh, God. Don't make me look it up. <laughs> Nobody is. Don't correct us. You have to consume three of those things to give the thing a chance to be the thing it's going to be. This particularly applies to television shows that usually have a pilot and take some time to find their footing. Um, but like Jordan said it in this case, it actually didn't matter. Uh, the movies. All movies this week. All movies. Blah. Uh, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. Save it for the pod. Caitlin and I have no idea what we thought of the thing we had to watch until we are sitting in front of these microphones. All I know is that he watched it. Yeah. That's it. I have no idea what he thought. Sometimes okay. we don't even know that. No. Sometimes it's like, did you did you watch the thing? Yeah, because there's dead silence. We'll talk about lots of other things. We'll never mention the thing we gave each other. Nope. So we will have lots to talk about when we sit in front of these microphones, which means rule number three. Which is uh, spoilers? We're going to spoil some stuff. Yeah. Is that really a rule? It's more like a policy that there will be spoilers. So <laughs> there, there will be spoilers. <laughs> So if you have like grave concerns over having like 40, 30 plus year old movies spoiled, spoiled for you, get your life together. The statute of limitations is long over on these. Oh, yeah. Look and, at your life. Look at your choices. <laughs> and secondly, yeah, if you feel that strongly about it, you should just go. You should peace out. We used to tell people to have like some cheese and crackers and tea, but basically all those things have dairy in them. Um, so have some gluten-free, dairy-free ca- crackers with um, some amazing dairy-free uh, cream cheese spread that I found. And um, None of it's tea. amazing. If you're not lactose intolerant, just have like a glass of milk. It'll be better than anything she's talking about right now. You know what? I get really just have sad. Some, just have some chocolate milk. Sometimes I can't consume some things that are dairy. <laughs> But mostly it's fine. You're selling it. It's good. Uh, We like to alternate week to week. So we're going to start with the thing. I brought Caitlin. And it's a thing that came up a lot on the last episode. And is really... Sometimes we do this thing where it's like... We find something new that's like, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll have Kate check that out. Sometimes, and really the point of the show was supposed to be... Hey, here are these things that are like... Top shelf. And they're and they're fundamental to my geek. I love these things so much. And you've never seen it, so I'm gonna make you watch it. Which is what we have this week in the thing I brought Caitlin, which is the nineteen seventy nine movie Lupin the Third, The Castle of Cagliostro. Um while being just a delightful movie starring the cast of Lupin the Third, which I will get to in a moment. This is also known for being the first movie that Hayao Miyazaki ever directed. Hayao Miyazaki, uh, how are you listening to this show when you don't know who he is? He is a Japanese anime director. He did My Neighbor Totoro, Castle in the Sky, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, Ponyo, Nausicaa, everything. Everything good ouch everything good he made and his studio studio ghibli slash ghibli never gonna say it like that um is responsible for things like grave of the fireflies and only yesterday and lots of 
fantastic movies. But before he did any of that, and before he could write his own ticket, he was doing, like most animators, you know, TV work. He worked on an adaptation of Heidi. Really? And Anne of Green Gables. Really? Yes. Lots of fun little TV series like that, adaptations. Huh. And he worked for a while on the Lupin the Third TV series. Lupin the Third is a story about a gentleman thief, Arsène Lupin the Third, the grandson. It's based on the French novels, which Caitlin probably has much more familiarity with than I do. Yes. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. No one is shocked by that. Um, which were about a master thief named Arsène Lupin. This is about his Japanese-speaking grandson, allegedly. Maybe he moved to Japan. I don't think it's ever really affirmed that they are. it is actually his grandson, or it's just something he made up. Um, based on a manga by a guy named Monkey Punch. That That's his name? That's his name. That's what he goes by, Monkey Punch. Cool. And it's about Lupin and his gang, the ace marksman, Daisuke Jigen. Fun fact, first email I ever had. Ever had. First Hotmail. Jigen at Hotmail.com. If you want to know how core these characters are to my fandom, Jigen at Hotmail.com. Rounding up, the gang is the uh, samurai, Guamon Ishikawa. Just because. Because why not? And the femme fatale constantly betraying them and double-crossing them for her own interests, uh, Fujikomine, a name that has come up previously because the first thing that our beloved top of the wall uh hero sayo yamamoto director of year and ice the first show she ever directed was a loop in the third spinoff focused on fujikomine so yes um this movie came out in 1979 it was made in five months okay <laughs> five months that's good right <laughs> yeah i'd say i say it's pretty good i think it's good i don't know any, <laughs> i know very remember they made I, something like that that looks like that in five months i think that's kind of impressive um also, apparently, it's on Wikipedia, it must be true, the uh, the studio made a trip to uh, the Disney company in 81 and brought this movie to show some of the animators there, and in the crowd was a young John Lasseter, oh. who, if you want to know why, a certain generation of Ghibli DVDs always start with Hawaiian-shirted John Lasseter informing you about how lucky you are that you <laughs> now get to watch whatever movie you're about to watch, that's why. So this movie is basically about Lupin and gang make their way to a small alpine regency. Is that what it would be called? I guess. They called a regency? Called Cagliostro. Well, regency, would they call it at some point a, oh, what do they call it? Is it, is it a duchy? Uh, a duchy or, the, or, or they had some other name for it. Some not a principality. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It's a small European Alpine sort of. It's, it's Belgium, but not Belgium. Sure, yeah. think that. Yeah. Um, they are Lupin and Jigen have recently pulled off a heist at a casino, only to discover that all of their bills, all the money they've stolen, is counterfeit. Mm-hmm. This is apparently a legendary counterfeiting practice. The, the goat bills, I believe they're called. Yes. They call it though the goat's head bills. I have a theory about this, that it should be like Capricorn. <laughs> you think the subtitle was off? I, I'm pretty, because I'm yeah, pretty possibly. sure the ring is a Capricorn. But yeah, anyways. probably. Um, so, and this is also apparently legendary Any in, in thievery circles. Anybody who's ever tried to investigate the history of the goat's head bills has entered 
gone, never made it out of Cagliostro. Yeah. They've gone in to find out. Nobody's ever come back. It's a perfect sort of challenge that swinging gentlemanly thief like Lupin the Third would love to take on. Mm-hmm. So he and Jigen, as they're making their way into the country, uh, encounter a young girl furiously driving a very sharp-looking automobile while being chased by dudes with Tommy guns and whatnot in, and a, she, in a wedding dress. And she, Yeah, I was going to say, and she's in a wedding dress. And That's always a, a mystery. And <laughs> if you're in a wedding dress. And Lupin, never the sort to, uh, to let a lady find herself in peril, rescues her and kind of gets roped into her story. And who she is, she's a young girl named Clarice, who was to be married off to the... So is he a duke? Count? No, he's a count. count. Um, who he has nefarious reasons for wanting to marry her, and he may or may not be the one behind the goat's head bills and whatnot. Um, and also, as is always the case with any loop in the third story, he is simultaneously being chased by Interpol inspector Zenigata. Yeah. Who is... Awesome. Depending on how he's depicted, as good as Lupin. They're always kind of... He's like literally half a step yes behind him he's never like he's not bumbling he's never anything yep. like that he's literally just shy of catching him but given the situation at hand in this movie they they team up for a portion it's basically busting the count and saving clarice from this horrible forced marriage that may result in her being murdered when it's all said and done mm-hmm. that sort of thing um it's just a rollicking feel-good adventure it's 100 minutes it's snappy it's a good it's a good time. And the thing with these characters is I feel, having watched a lot of Lupin stuff at this point, I feel like they're kind of amorphous. Like, you can kind of use them however you want. This movie was notable at the time for basically not making Lupin an asshole. Well, that's nice. Um, he was a product of, and even, uh, I have there's a couple books out there called Starting Point, which is just like a collection of Miyazaki's writings. Uh, somebody lovely got me both of them for my birthday. Over a couple years, <clears throat> <laughs> and he has a uh, he has a brief essay about Lupin in there. Basically, the point of the essay is just Miyazaki saying like Lupin was a product of his time, and my ability to work on him was even a product of my time. Like right. I said what I had to say about him, and now it's time for me to move on to other things. Lupin came about in the like you know late sixties, so and even it, this is even alluded to. There's a brief when Lupin Lupin has a connection to the country and to Clarice even, and this comes up throughout the movie. And when he's basically saying, what's the line? It's like, this was years ago. I was a dumb kid. I didn't know anything. And you see him basically more how he's depicted in the manga where it's just like, you know, he's got a woman on each arm. He's ass grabbing. He's, yeah. he's drinking. He's a, he's basically a dick. This movie to the displeasure of some fans, to be honest, of the characters depicts a more noble, mature, chivalrous, gentlemanly he's emphasis on gentlemanly thief yes lupin the third and i prefer that Mm -hmm. i've i've seen the real asshole depictions of him um i i prefer this one more this was the first i said before this was like the first fan sub i ever had saw so this was like the first my first exposure to these characters which really like imprinted on me that's the version right that's the version i like and just i don't know just the the quartet the crew of them all together uh, really treated Fujiko with respect, despite being, you know, she still tries to double cross him. And but it's she, amazing. She, she has her own reasons for being there and her own goals in mind, which is not necessarily to help Lupin unless it's like suits her own interests. And I always want to 
like I would always want to have some sort of animal print or <laughs> army print thing under Cat my suit. yeah under my my other outfit under so your, I could your just, poofy gown yeah so I could just be like ha and like has I yeah I I'll get into that but just it, like has, it gets it gets real seventies in that point there's a uh, there there's a car chase scene that's infamous to me where a car just like totally defies the law of physics yes <laughs> goes yep. up the side of a mountain I noticed that as well. <laughs> Um, this movie is just fun. Like I just said, so I haven't, I hadn't watched it in years before I sat down to watch it because I had given it to Caitlin and I was just as delighted with it as I'd always been. I love these characters. I love the four of them together. Um, yeah, I just, <laughs> I really don't know how else to put it. I just love this movie and it's a, as a like first work, I think it's really Offers not a ton of insight, but I mean, you definitely see where this dude was going to go, like, in the future with the work that was going to come after it, even though he went more in, like, a sci-fi sort of fantastical direction. It's kind of nice to watch him in a playground that's, quote-unquote, more realistic. Realistic, There's no magic or anything like that, but... So, with all that in mind... All of that. Go gentle, Caitlin McKinnon. How did you, like... The Castle of Cagliostro. Um, I I liked parts of it. Um, it was funny when I first started watching it. Um, I was having a little bit of trouble finding it, and I was streaming it from a site, and it was terrible. And I was like, "Wow, this God, these this art really doesn't hold up. Like, it's really rough." And then I, for reasons, I had I switched to my tablet, and I actually downloaded something. And watched it on a on an HD tablet, and man, that picture was so crisp. And I was like, <laughs> "Wow, this art really does hold up, actually." Because um, that's the first thing, right? The art, the art is it is anime. Um, it is not anime that I grew up watching. Mm. Um, and there is a very striking difference in the style of it. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like the most anime that I've given you. No. Looks. Doesn't have the traditional Betty Boop, Tezuka-esque, giant eyes sort of thing. No, no. It actually looks a lot like the French cartoon Arsène Lupin, Mm. which was actually my first introduction to Arsène Lupin um, before the the novels and whatnot, um, or the stories. Um, And it actually, it looks more like that. There is, though, this element of kind of whimsy and silliness that a lot of animes have mm-hmm. um without you know the the angry faces above their heads or the you know the angry dust ball or the fate or the you know the ang- angry face you get um there's still sort of a slapstickness to it oh yeah so it very it very much feels like a pink panther movie yeah. but as an anime so all of that is really interesting um i loved the buddy comedy buddy like relationship mm. i didn't realize that's what it was going to be because the arsene lupin or that kind of stuff that i know of he's very much a singular entity yeah. and whereas here there's more like it almost feels like a haste film like there's like this group of them together um he's obviously the main character he's obviously driving things but you know at one point um Sorry, what's his friend's name? I can never, I can never the catch marksman? it. The marksman? 
Yes. Jigen. Jiga. Um, he, at one point, just like, he knows something's up. And he just like attacks Lupin, like puts him in a headlock and is like wrestling with him. Like, tell me what's going on. Um, so I really liked that. I like their dynamic. I love that Giga just, he just trusts Lupin. Mm-hmm. Like there's not any doubt for what he's doing. Which has not always been the case. There's a lot of ones where it's just like they're a gang and they meet when there's a job. And then the yeah. job is over and they go off and they do they do their, their own thing. Uh, I'm a softie. I don't like that take on them i like the idea that just you know lupin and jigan are bffs and yeah they, they hang, hang out until out. they find a job and, and have a, a an amazing uh, magic car that basically <laughs> is trashed and then it's fine to drive its wheels basically explode and then uh, it's good to go it's a fiat and apparently this was this is one of bit miyazaki's big contributions to lupin lore was um he had a different car he had a mercedes up to that point mm-hmm. and Miyazaki gave him a, a the yellow Fiat, and that's been like his car ever that, since. I was going to say that that car really actually stood <laughs> out. Like it's really iconic, um, just because it 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 does this very cartoony thing. It Inspector Gadgets at one point. Yeah, like. yeah, uh, it does, and um, that's really interesting. Um, there were parts that were really really interesting, um, both. Uh, just or fun just from a, a film perspective but also just from an animation perspective like like the when they go into the the bowels of the castle it's all the dead mm. and rotting bodies like that that was really cool all the people who have tried to discover the secret of the counterfeiting before them yes yeah that that was really neat um the inspector and lupin the third um uh, coming together and like surprising those bad guys with like the skulls in their outfits <laughs> that that was a great scene um there are just a couple of scenes that were really visually interesting and and they were fun in the film but how dare you the story had some issues <laughs> partially some pacing issues partially just like char- character issues it was just it, part of it was because, I mean, you obviously know these characters have met each other before. As I say, yeah, there's there's definitely a benefit in being not having this be your first exposure to the character. Yes, this is like someone going to see Serenity without watching Firefly first, mm, right? There's a lot of history before that. Get that. Totally cool. You can pretty, you're, it's pretty quick. You, you know, they do a good job of like, this is the investigator who's always after him. Um, this is the femme fatale who's always double crossing him. Even Gwamen, who's got the least to do in the movie. Yes. But he's got to show up because it's a Lupin movie and they all have to get there at some point. Yeah. Um, I think you can even get a taste of him where it's like. He shows up on the he, back of a truck. He shows up and then there's a scene where like. That's right when Lupin's been injured or whatever, and he's like basically like exploding out of a plane or something, and and they're like driving the car to try to catch him, and yeah. and Gwamin like just like one cut like cuts him out of whatever burning clothes he's in, yeah. and just grumbles something to himself about like my sword has cut something useless again, like <laughs> like he's obviously you know a badass who likes cutting people with his sword, and he gets upset when he can't, but yeah, it's. He doesn't have much to do in in this movie, but they did do a good job, like um, of uh, the femme fatale. Sorry, her name again is Fujiko. Fujiko, um, the way 
it's directed even though i didn't know these characters when that you first see her you know she's going to be important mm. it just the way that the pain lingers on her the way they've stylized the character you know she's not just a throwaway character when you first see her yeah she's like working as like a She's posing as a housemaid for yeah, Clarice. Yeah, well, no, she has, she has like, you know, glasses on and her hair up in a bun. But just, I don't know what it is and how he did it. Just the magic. His magic, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but you know she's going to become important. And for anybody, that's, I guess, a good point. Anybody with familiarity with these characters would be like, oh, there's Fujiko. Yeah. But you don't know. You just know how the way he's framing it. Yeah. It's like, I should pay attention to that person. Yeah. So they, they did good things there. Um, the pacing was a little bit off. And I really wanted them to do more uh, su- surprises, I guess. He was very, like, they show kind of a lot of what he's doing. Now, they do do a lot of, uh, they do a little bit of it. But you know how in... Um, you, mean, you mean the villain? No. No, I'm talking about Lupin. Oh. Okay. Like, they, I really wish there was more, like, like them all plotting together. Mm. Like, I guess I wanted more of a heist. Um and there was a little bit of that, uh, but just not just not enough. Um, and I don't know. I thought the like why why would even Clarice and Lupin have a romance? Like they don't even know each other. They it's not really like a romance. I mean, it's it's more of a he. She really cares about. She him. really does. Yes, but I think that's also he keeps saving her and rescuing her. I think that's tied into that. His motivations are like, why? Just because she was nice to him as a child when he was like, and took care of him when he was all beat the F up 10 years previous and he just wants her to be okay type of thing. Like I said, it's a very noble version of the character. The, yes. The monkey punch version of the character probably would have smashed and dashed. Yeah. In, in short order. Yeah. Um, not this one. I think it's a really, it's a really sweet scene when she like makes to kiss him at the end and like... Does she hug him too? I don't remember, but he's clearly like you can see him like he's got his hands up, like he's yeah. trying not to like succumb to his his old ways, and he just yeah. kind of like finally like mm, shakes himself down and puts his hands on her shoulders and kisses her on the forehead type of thing. Like, yeah, that's not the Lupin that a lot of people know. Right, I um, wouldn't have liked that other Lupin. Either. And even Miyazaki said like this is like this is Lupin grown up. Like that's yeah. how he always saw it. Um, and there's so many things that make no sense that I just love like that grappling hook that comes out of his sleeve yeah, and t- ties into oh, his belt buckle oh, also okay so besides the car that can go up vertical walls <laughs> somehow lupin apparently is spider-man and can climb up flush brick walls somehow like even give him those little like i don't know what it is when you climb a mountain they're like little tiny the spike, spike boots or something yeah something and then he also has a claw, yeah, that comes out of his sleeve on a on a string. It's yeah. not a rope. It's a string that he's able to climb up somehow. Anyways, so yeah, there were some ridiculous things. The bit at the end with like the ancient Roman Yeah, like that was the treasure. Like that that was kind of ridiculous. It was really ridiculous. Yeah. But you can even see some of these like Miyazaki esque things. Like there's a plane that makes no sense. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a plane with weird propellers and stuff. That's clearly Miyazaki being Miyazaki. He yeah. Always has always loved air travel. He loves planes. I do like all the like traps of the castle. I guess mm. I guess tonally it just shifted a little back and forth. So that was really weird and jarring as well. So. 
the one part in my rewatch that got the huge like guffaw out of me that I forgot was there is when he's like he's trying to sneak into the far tower to like see Clarice for the first time and he's yeah. got his like his rocket aided yep. grappling hook and he's got a prop between his feet and he's trying to like set it up but yep. then it like falls down from his feet and he's trying to grab it but it's just string it's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. pulling out the string and he can't get a hold of it I'm like and then it's he a beautiful manages slapstick moment to that yeah. <laughs> so you get that slapstick moment, which is great, which is also, again, very like Pink Panther. And then you get him bounding from rooftop to rooftop. <laughs> Turns out he can just leap it anyway. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, totally, there's sort of these shifts. Um, and But the characters were worked well together. Um, again, that sort of buddy uh, heist thing, Ocean's Eleven thing that's mm. going on. I really like that. And, yeah. And if you like. It is Lupin's been around for like fifty years, and they're always they're actually just last year there was a new series set in Italy. I think that just came out. Uh, Fujigomine, the Sayo Yamamoto show, is much different. And if right. you don't like Douchey Lupin, that's not the one. And if you don't like the traditional take on these characters, meh. I think the moment where uh, Fujigo tried to sleep with Zenigata to like get out of being arrested, right? And he banged her anyway and was like i knew what you were doing so i just banged you and arrested you anyway i was like oof that's... you're making some decisions here i don't Ew. know how i feel about any of that yeah <laughs> not, hashtag not my lupin <laughs> um and shouts to uh yasuo yamada who's the voice of lupin it's just one of my favorite voice actors he, yeah. ever he just inhabits that character it's the way he always goes like ah, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> just love that um anyway one of my all-time greats would easily rank a top 10 in any of my like anime properties. Kate McKinnon. Yeah. How you feel about it? Mm, I'm going to give it like a seven. <sighs> Fine. Yeah. I just like, Fine. I respect it for what it is. It does some great things. The animation holds up really, really well. Um, I mean, obviously there's a stylistic difference, but it is uh, beautiful, beautifully animated. The colors are great. Um, and it's fun, like you said, but yeah, it's a seven. Moving on. Hey, y'all. You like lovable rogues? Yeah, seriously. I know. Keep, keep, that, vi- keep that vibe going. So lovable rogues. Fun buddy movies. <laughs> this, you were talking a lot about movies that are sort of core to your, mm-hmm. well, we were talking about core to your, your nerddom, geekdom. Yes. This is like one of the movies that is why I am the way I am today. <laughs> Which is constantly looking for a partner in crime. Um, <laughs> that movie being 1969's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which was directed by George Roy Hill. Um, and more importantly, I would say written by William Goldman, uh, known for All the President's Men. And more importantly, The Princess Bride. Yes, that Goldman. Um his writing of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid actually ended up winning him an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Um, the film stars the wonderful Paul Newman and pretty good Robert Redford, as well as uh, Catherine Ross, who really isn't, I mean, she's known for films of that time, but you wouldn't know her now, unlike Paul Newman, who we all know for a salad dressing. Um, and, uh, and Robert Redford, Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. And yeah, it's just one of those kind of iconic Western films and particularly buddy films. Um, 
I'm I'm going to read this straight from Wikipedia because they always do it better than I do. And I seem <laughs> to just mix things up. Based loosely on fact, the film tells the story of Wild West outlaws Robert Leroy Parker, known as Butch Cassidy, played by Paul Newman, and his partner Harry Longbow, the Sundance Kid, played by Robert Redford, who were on the run from a crack U.S. posse after a string of train robberies. The pair and Sundance's lover at a place, Catherine Ross, flee to Bolivia in search of a more successful criminal career where they meet their end. So it's one of those stories that doesn't actually turn out the way you think it will. It's not Ocean's Eleven where everyone gets away and is happy. <laughs> um, I think I read also in that in that Wikipedia article that his uh, Goldman's sort of inspiration for doing it, he became fascinated with the story um, because F. Scott Fitzgerald has that line either talking about, it's either in Gatsby or while talking about Gatsby, mm-hmm. like there are no second acts in American lives. Yeah. And Goldman reading about Butch and Sundance was like, eh, they did have a second act, though. Yeah. If anything, they were more infamous after they went to Bolivia than they were in America. Yep. And he was too lazy to write a book. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to research this to write a novel. So he wrote a movie. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a film that is sort of now part of the like U.S. archive of important films. Yeah, it's like or... canonical. Um, and I actually ended up watching this movie because I watched another movie directed by George Royhill that also stars Paul Newman and Robert Redford, The Sting. And I loved The Sting so much that I was like, oh, here's another film and it has these two guys in it again. And the films were, though they were alike in certain ways, they were so very different. And Paul Newman and Robert Redford, their roles, their acting changes so much from from film to film mm. that that was really fascinating as well. Um, and uh, again, it just it has sort of everything I love about westerns. It's got shootouts, it's got uh, fun times, but it also has this great relationship between Butch and Sundance. Um, and uh, it's one of those things where they just seem to, the two actors just seem to hit it off really well. Um, they actually went and auditioned for the opposite roles. Really? Yep. And the director was like, let's switch it up. And I think that was probably a brilliant decision um, because I just think Paul Newman and and Robert Redford do a phenomenal job. They really, you know, carry the film. Um and I don't know, I just, there's so many things I really love about it. I love uh, the pacing. I love how um, there's parts in the film where, again, they're being they're being hunted down by this posse. And it, they you just feel as dogged as they are. A, a super posse. A super posse. A crack posse. Um, you just feel as dogged as, as they are. Um, and, and, yeah, there's so many things I really love about it. Who are these guys? Yeah. Um, so what did you think, Jordan? Delightful. Really? Yes. Oh, that's good. I know, I don't know actually really how you feel about Westerns. We've talked about it a couple times because I've given you some... Oh, it's less of a Western thing and more of like... What I could not get over about this movie is it feels very... Modern? Dialogue-wise, yes. Dialogue-wise, pacing-wise, yeah. like, feels very much in line with what we're accustomed to today. And I was not expecting 
it to be as much as it was and thinking that like this thing must have been fucking revolutionary when it came out in 60 whatever uh 1969 1969 and just yeah the way they banter the 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 one-liners mm-hmm. that especially butch has um first of all these dudes are way too pretty to, pretty to be cowboys uh, they 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 real pretty uh, yeah <laughs> look look uh, at that who's thinking of paul newman right now they can be proud of my bossy paul newman especially <laughs> paul newman yeah you can put, put, put them both in the bossy i'll be your steak fantastic Fantastic mustache, Redford. <laughs> Fantastic mustache. Um, no, I mean, li- listen, I am a piece of trash who old movies don't usually... I watch them and I go, it's cool, but like, I do I enjoy old movies? Not really. I watch them as an exercise to be like, this is a thing of cultural importance. I'm doing my due diligence <laughs> as a consumer of culture. By watching this, I legitimately enjoyed this. When they fucking blew up the train accidentally, I <laughs> busted out fucking la- dying laughing because they're idiots. Like, yeah, that's like they're too kind of bu- they're, they're buffoons, and yeah, that's probably not how anyone else writing the story would have played it as. You know, they would have been right. like totally in control of everything they went into, and they kind of are in this movie but they do it in such a bumbling way like when they finally make their way back to the gang yeah and the giant brute guy <laughs> is like trying to take control of the gang <laughs> what, what the, it's a classic line what the hell does he say when he's like he's like i'm gonna be leader now you want gun guns or knives and he's like mumbling to butch is mumbling to sundance and it's something like you know the, the second the second i die kill him or something <laughs> like that <laughs> or if i die kill him and totally like what does he kick him in the nuts first and then he <laughs> yeah. says one two three go like yeah. it's just such that's all i was not expecting that out of a movie that came out in 69 um i think it's one of the things i i love about um like firefly is that same kind of dialogue and that's the moment i uh, always say firefly i was not hooked on mm-hmm. until mal kicked the dude into the <laughs> into like the jet engine yeah the the blade yeah i was was like oh okay (laughs) i'm here for this show similar moments um going on there there are so many moments in this movie that were just like it reminded me i'm watching it going like wow we gave each other like the exact same things yeah in a lot of ways yeah we're just these charismatic rogues that you just want to root for Mm -hmm. um So the initial thing that the setup is they rob, they get the idea to rob this train. And that's the thing. They have the fight. Butch has the fight with the guy who's jockeying for leadership. Yes. And it's like, well, what was what was the plan anyway? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, we're going to rob the train once and then rob it again on the way back because they yeah. would have refilled it. And he's like, he thought of this? <laughs> that's actually good. We were going to go with that. <laughs> so they do. And there's this like really by the books like accountant who's in like the safe car and yeah. won't open it and gets blown up. Yeah. Um, and then on the way back, it's like, it's like, I open up, I open up in there and he's given the same, the same spiel. It's yeah. like, I've been hired by the, by the HW Harriman to, to, he entrusted me with this money. And Butch is like, is that you? <laughs> he's like, oh, come on, Butch. <laughs> and they let him in and the door's been like reinforced and Butch just looks at him like, like, seriously, like, why, why are you making my ability to rob you so difficult? Like. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they realize that this now this wh harriman is the one who's assembled the super posse to take them out because he yeah. feels disrespected 
He was like, a posse like that must cost a fortune. It costs more than we ever robbed from him. <laughs> just let me rob him. He would have saved money. Um, and then, yes, they finally realize they're not going to get away from these dudes. So they Butch's plan to take off to Bolivia because because you just heard about Bolivia once. Yeah. Uh, they head down there. And, yeah, I'm sure the two movie stars didn't stick out in Bolivia <laughs> at all. That's <laughs> I kept watching it like oh. all these south american faces and then paul newman and robert redford <laughs> it doesn't seem odd that won't draw any attention no 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 no. that's why at, they wear big hats not at all and was that actually the guy from the posse when they spotted him or is he just being paranoid i think he's just being paranoid because one of the guys is known for wearing like a straw hat and then they're in bolivia and they see some dude with a straw hat and yeah um and it's like it's like, well, we'll just stop robbing banks. But then they kept robbing banks. Yep. <laughs> All you had to do was not rob banks. What were they going to do? Be farmers? <laughs> you, did, you, did, you didn't have to. Uh, no, this movie was effing delightful. And the two of them together. <laughs> I will say, I know it's an iconic scene. And, you know, the song is like, you know, one, you know, I love me some Bacharach as much as, Burt Bacharach <laughs> as much as anybody else. You spent like six minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Riding a bike. Actually, a lot of people have talked about that scene, but that's one of the things that like stood out about the film, right? Is that they did something different where they used music from... Yeah, for like a Western set in like the 18-whatever. It's uh, anachronistic. Is that the move? Yeah. The word I'm using properly. Um, and it really set... They did that a bit and it set the scenes apart. Um, but people have commented on it. It's not one of my favorite scenes either, <laughs> but you know... It's, uh, Isn't it? Don't you want to ride on the on the handlebars as Paul Newman pedals you around? No, I feel like that'd be really uncomfortable. Probably really hurt your ass a lot. Yeah, um, and I don't really like that song very much. So what? Yeah, sorry. Come on, Manic Street Preachers do a great cover of that song. I look that up. <laughs> um, so Jordan, I know I love this movie to death, and it is one of my favorite westerns of all time. How do you feel about this movie? It's an eight. It's an eight. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> my, my stars and garters. Um, yeah, I went into it expecting it to be Tombstone. fine. Tombstone? I expected it to be fine in that way that like old movies that are known for like you know being important are fine. Fine. I wasn't expecting to be delighted, and maybe I was coming off the high of having watched Cagliostro Castle again <laughs> so recently. Where I was like, yes, more of that vibe. <laughs> More of happy dudes having fun robbing people. That's what, yeah. That's what I like. No, yeah, it was it was a good time. It was a great movie, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Great. Oh, updates. Updates. Why don't you go first? Since you have so oh, many. Oh god, I have so many updates. So many. Uh, Legion is dope. Do you want to know what's going on? No. Good, because don't watch Legion. Because you won't. Good. I think. <laughs> I have Confused. no idea what's going on. Three layers of reality and timelines and everything else. And But Fargo, which is Noah Hawley's other show that he was known for running before he moved on to Legion. Uh, very similar in that regard. Um, yeah, it was really... I watched it. I had a good time the entire time. I have no idea where it's going. But it definitely seems... A, like it will be one of the better TV shows of this year, and B, it'll definitely be one of the better X-Men-related things. Good, because I'm really tired. Even I... though it's not really. They mentioned Mutant once. 
I, it's I, not like tied into the X verse. I honestly just saw the the like headline of an article, which was maybe the X Men movie should take a break, and all I was like, yes, best <laughs> article of the year, <laughs> <laughs> Pulitzer for you right now. <laughs> um, no, yeah, that was that was really good. Um, Kate, yeah, we gotta talk about it. What we have to talk about? You don't want to talk about it. Talk Nobody about? wants to talk about it, but here's the thing. What we have to talk about? Riverdale. Do we have to? I can't defend this show. I can't. I can't defend this show. It's like not good. Right. It's not objectively good. Okay. It's real fun though. Ugh. Jughead, terrible. This like narration that he's providing through his fake novel. Right. That he's writing about the uh, murder of Jason Blossom. Isn't that, isn't that good? Um, but every time I think I'm like... I mean, this is stupid. I'm trying to seem interested and not fall asleep, but... Keep it up. I'll make you watch it. I have no. that power. Somebody, especially Kevin... Yeah. There will be some line that like brings me back in where I'm like, all right. First of all, this is by Greg Berlanti. Okay. We we like him. Yeah. I know you hate the whole like, you know, Archie characters type things, but none of the characters and the relationships are even really the same. Um, they go out of their way very early to like squash the whole like love triangle thing. Okay. Like Betty and Veronica are friends. That's legit cool. friends. They have the conversation like, let's not do this. Like, let's not do the whole like fighting over a guy thing. So the Cheryl Blossom, sister of the murdered boy, is like the proto mean girl type thing. Like she's always just like the ice queen. She comes over and she to the lunch table and says some, you know, mean bullshit. And Kevin is like. He says something to the effect of like, oh, being being the mean girl, you know, ice queen bitch, that's still a thing. And she looks at him and she's like, being the gay best friend is still a thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, like, well, clutch my pearls. And at some point they compare Archie to the Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> he comes up and Kevin says something about like, what's up, young Outlander? <laughs> so be these little moments in there. I was like, the third episode was not that good. Right. Um Although it had a lot to say about, it. I was trying to make a point about like, you know, slut shaming and mm-hmm. and you know, girl power sort of thing. Barb from Stranger Things in there getting <gasps> really? that money. She's playing Ethel. Oh, um, hello, Barb. So shouts to Barb. Yeah, it's just like I finally was like I I sh- I, I knew I wanted to watch it to voice it on you because your your misery at discussing it would make for good radio. <laughs> but when I finally got into watching it, I was like, okay, this is not good, but it's not terrible it's like it's like eating a bag of doritos for dinner is not good (laughs) but you kind of enjoy it in the moment maybe when it's over you say that was horror that was a terrible decision i should never do that again but then you go back to the no frills and they're on sale for a dollar 99 and you're like that's just sound financial sense like (laughs) i'd be stupid not to do this um and so that was it's my big two. I'm still trying with the anime season. I'm trying. No success. I'm huh? trying. Um, I did watch the second episode of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid because everybody's like, this is the one. This is the show of the season. There is another dragon that shows up who's very much like a, you know, a little girl. And I don't say that in the way that like, she's a little girl in the way that like Poco from Poco's Udon World was a little boy or like right. Sumugi from Sweetness and Lightning was a little girl. It's just like please just take care of her and you know it's the moe thing right it's like right. oh god just take care of her and make sure she's okay she's adorable um the sad thing is there's a moment where toru who's the main dragon and 
uh, what's her name? Akana, I think is the the little kid's name. They go out to play, mm-hmm. and playing is like roughhousing, which basically means like fire breathing, fighting, martial arts like looking like thing that's like in five minutes better than anything Dragon Ball Super has done in like seventy nine episodes. Huh. So shouts to that show. That's not the one we got to talk about though. The one we got to talk about is Scum's Wish, and I mentioned this on on the Twitter mm-hmm. that Jordan was about to start checking it out. Yes, Jordan was a little frightened. Scum's Wish is. Basically, the story of I think her name is Hanabi and his name is Mugi. They are both in love with basically teachers at their school. The music teacher who Mugi's in love with was at one time his tutor, right? And the I think he's a math teacher that Hanabi's in love with was like a guy from the neighborhood who like they grew up together. Um, but they cannot be together, and they really suspect that the two people they like are going to end up liking each other, right? So basically, they just kind of start. You know, what's the catchphrase? You can have everything but my feelings. Uh. They kind of start this thing that's basically, which happens. People do this sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it has a, it's it's very mature, but not like titillating. But the thing I can't get over, it's, and it's basically like, the, none of this is meant to be admirable or aspirational. Like these people are making terrible decisions. Right. And the, the impact and repercussions of these these decisions that they're making is like handled very very maturely i think and like it's not meant to be like this is a thing you should do you should totally hook up with people just to fill a void in your life like it's not a thing you should do not a good idea not a good look um but and you have done this you have done this to me what have i done if this were a live action movie about teenagers basically fucking each other to right. like fill the holes in their lives from their unfulfilled relationships. Pun intended. They'd, they'd, they'd hire some 25 year olds to play teenagers. Right. This is animated. Yeah. I cannot get over it. ever since your kill the kill point. Right. Or like normally I just looked at these things as like, eh, it's more like a concept. It's just kind of like, <laughs> I can't get over the fact that like, I'm actually watching like, quote unquote 17 year olds i mean you read lolita and you know none of that's happening it doesn't make it bad but like when i'm watching these animated characters like well the finger bang each other it's like the point of lolita was that it was bad yeah and that's then this is the point of this show too we're just like this is not a thing you should be doing but i really especially in the early episodes where it's like teenagers do this shit they grab boobs they finger bang they do all this sort of thing Mm -hmm. um but old ass man sitting in his apartment by himself on a Sunday going like, hmm, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Having a hard time getting over this. Doesn't mean the show is bad. Mm-hmm. The show is hard to watch because people are making terrible decisions um, and just harming themselves and others because yeah. they only care about their own needs. And in fact, the, the villain that is emerging, that's her whole jam, is like, it's cool to be wanted. And... I can hurt people by taking the things they want sort of thing. Um, that's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, again, that's, we're starting to dance about like, Ooh, that's like, it's, I think, I think the manga was done by a woman. So I don't want to immediately go like, Ooh, that's borderline. He man, woman haters club sort of attitude towards women and how they view sex sort of thing. But right. I don't know. It's a, it's definitely 
it's a show I'll stick with, but I'm not excited about. It. <laughs> like <I'm> a, <laughs> you're like you're doing this out of like obligation. I'm not like everybody go out and watch this show. I can't endorse that. The show's kind of awful and really painful to watch. Like Hanabi's best friend, who uh, turns out to be gay, and is basically like, "You don't love Moogie. I can tell. Like you're just using him to distract yourself. Like why can't I be the one?" who distracts you type of thing. Right. And nothing happens that night, but then a few, a couple episodes later, I think they're on the episode five now, Hanabi has like nowhere to go, basically. Um, so she sleeps with Echon, the lesbian friend. Oh, well. Just because, because feeling that's better than feeling nothing sort of thing. Horrifying. Yep. So not a fun watch. Complicated watch. Complicated. Don't, it's not a recommendation. It's, like, it's not a don't watch it. I just don't know what to do with this show. I feel like like there's there's comp TV. And this then is the opposite of comp. And there's comp TV. There's like complicated TV. <laughs> this is comp, hashtag comp TV. Where it's just, yeah, it's like nothing feels good about it. And that's why that's why it's scum's wish because yeah. we're all scum. We just want yeah. we just want to fill these needs wow. that we have. It's definitely the the weirdest and rarest show. You don't see stories like this, and this is like when this is why I want to stick with it because when one comes, it's like yeah, it's it's another fucking high school show, yippee dee. But woo woo high school. But when you have a show that's not telling a story that's usually seen before, that's you should do your do your duty as a fan to like at least support it by watching it. So I don't know. Maybe just write. Uh, to the creators to make them 20-year-olds instead of 15-year-olds. <laughs> Just put them in another. 17. 17. They're high 17. schoolers. They're high schoolers. They're, they're under the under the North American legal age. So, yeah. It's really detailed French kissing in this show. It's like, hmm. Uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> I get uncomfortable watching people have affection on television shows. <laughs> It's like it's a terrible example, but I was thinking of like super bad, right? Like when oh when when they're like about to start really like getting it on, and ultimately he says no. But I mean, they're playing teenagers, but Michael Sarah and whoever that girl, you know, they were in their twenties. Like yeah. they're the cognitive dissonance that happens there. And this was live action; it'd be twenty somethings playing these characters, yeah. but they're they're representations of teenagers, and I'm in. 39 year old dude watching this and that's it's weird you're a weirdo weird yeah (laughs) and i don't hear anybody talking about this so why does no one else care why is it not a thing i don't know i can't tell you i don't know i don't have these answers anyway that's my real complicated updates (laughs) my less complicated updates yeah but it's deep space nine involve i watched a couple episodes of crazy head I don't even know what the hell that uh, is. It's a show that appeared on Netflix magically. <laughs> um, and it is uh, set, it's English. It is about a girl who starts seeing demons. Okay. And she runs into someone else who sees demons, who's a, a demon hunter. And they have sort of demon hunting adventures. And there are some really bright spots in this show um, and very funny things and clever things. And, but I don't think I'm going to stick with it. We'll see. I'll let you know. Um, it's kind of just, eh, it's okay. Okay. It's okay. It's, it's there. Um, it's better than whatever her. What, what was it we watched? Um, oh, 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 uh, you know she she's it's a western and she she's a gunslinger and Winona Earp. That's the one. It's much better than that. <laughs> um, so if you like Winona Earp, as, as far as like demon hunting goes, if you like Winona, it's it's kind of raunchy. But if you like Winona Earp, uh, watch Crazy Dad. Um, I watched. Uh, 
Batman versus Robin, which is the animated 2015 film. I saw that was up there, yeah. Yeah, um, it's the sequel to Son of uh, Batman uh, movie. Yes. And it's, I think, I'm guessing it's before Teen Titans versus the Justice League. Yeah, I think it's based on one of uh, Grant Morrison's Batman Incorporated runs. Uh, yes, and then Batman and Sons, I think there's another, or and Batman and Son, there's some other comic book arc yeah something like that um it was not very good no uh which is unfortunate because it has an amazing voice actor cast uh but i just it had a weird al yankovic in it um <laughs> but i just who isn't dead um not dead not dead weird al not dead. Uh, absolutely not dead um but it just was terrible storytelling <laughs> like just really bad also damien wayne's the worst yeah Oh, he's just how, you know, we talk about characters who are likable and not likable. No one. The only person who's likable in that series is Nightwing. That's the only person. And that's what made this vibe originally good, because at the time, this was when, like, you know, Bruce Wayne was like, air quotes, dead, Mm -hmm. lost in time sort of thing. So Dick Grayson became Batman and Damien was Robin. Mm -hmm. So you basically... One of the early things from the Dick Grayson Batman run was like somebody realized it's like it's not the same guy. How do you know? He's smiling. Yeah. Dick Grayson is not dark and brooding. No. Dick was always the the counterbalance to that. You have now flipped the balance where the Batman is kind of like the happy-go-lucky one. Mm-hmm. And, well, I would say Nightwing is well, happy-go-lucky. He's not happy-go-lucky. But... You know, we're, de- we're having dead parents. But definitely Robin is the more stoic, violent, dark one. Yeah. <laughs> and Batman's got to be the one like, yo. Just, just deep breath. Just relax, buddy. Go to your happy place. Um, yeah, so it was terrible. Um, I watched the Michael Bolton Valentine special. How was that? that Netflix was... really wants me to watch that. So I never encourage people to do things that could be deemed illegal or inappropriate, like drinking or whatnot. But if you happen to be a person who gets high... And you would like something to entertain you, you really need to watch the Valentine special. It is bizarre. It is wacky. And Lonely bizarre. Island did it apparently. I, yes. I did not know that at the time. Which so. is very, it is very Lonely Island. Extremely Lonely Island. To the point where I went to, with the person I was watching it with, hey, have you seen Lonely Island stuff? Uh, and then showed them a whole bunch of Lonely Island stuff. Um, Kablamo. So yeah. The Kablamo. It's not Kablamo. Um, <laughs> Michael Bolton special is not Kablamo? <laughs> Actually, it was it was medium Kablamo. Pretty Kablamo? Yeah. Half Kablamo? Kablammy. Kablamo. Um, I also watched DS9. Um, <laughs> of course you did. We are at the very end of season six, and I refuse to watch the last episode of season six until I have a happy show to watch afterwards, because I know what happens. So, yeah. Keep it trill. Keep it trill. Finally, just because we're talking about DS9... There is going to be a documentary. Apparently. Apparently there are so many people out there who need to know about DS9. Um, I believe it was, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, but I believe it was, um, what's his name? Son. Spock's son. Leonard Nimoy's son? Yes. I believe it was Leonard Nimoy's son who started it. Mm. Um. And to the person who, I can't remember which news site it is, someone is going through DS9 episodes and talking about how relevant they are. And I keep on saying this, and every time uh, Senior Correspondent and I finish an episode, I go, that is so 
it's just it's about our time. People need to be they need to have this back on television. And then I see someone have they're basically stalking the episodes I'm watching because every time after I've just watched this episode, there's some I, I'm going to find which side it is. I'm going to post it on the Facebook group because they've written some really interesting pieces about why DS9 is so good. And I think everyone should read it. And there's going to be a documentary about why it's so good. So there you go. Cool. Super excited. Uh, I do have one last update that yeah. I, I forgot about, but then I realized I posted about it on Facebook. Um, hasn't come up in a while that, you know, Saga is the best comic in the world. In the world. Um, of all time. And <laughs> every time I see stupid Matt start reaching into his bag yeah. to, like, rifle through his comics, I knew there's a new issue of Saga because he hands it to me to read <laughs> before he even reads it. Yeah. And stupid Matt really didn't want to read it because when I was done, I handed it back to him with actual tears in my eyes. Like, oh, no. I was welled up. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Brian K. Vaughn. Fuck you, Fiona Staples. Are no, you are you caught up? I, I'm not. Oh fuck. So Fiona Staples once said, like she said the same thing. She's like, "Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> like I have to draw this now. Like fuck you." It was like Matt had been like, "Don't tell me anything. I know it's I know it's sad. Yeah. I know it ends sad." I'm like, "Okay, fine." And the one thing I saw one thing coming. Yeah, I was like, "It'll probably be that." It was that. With then just like a whole like shaking the Parmesan cheese of of, <laughs> of shit on just all sprinkling it all on top of there. Like, oh, my God. But I believe God. But I believe. Fuck me. Anyway. And that's how we're going to end the show. We're not going to end the show there. Oh, we're not. Because speaking of stupid Matt, if we do it again, he's going to be so fucking oh. mad. So we had the mailbag episode last week, as you will recall. Go back and listen to that. Um, stupid Matt who comes up on the show very frequently, was early with questions. Maybe too early. Obviously too early. Because then when it became time to answer questions, we totally forgot about Stupid Matt's questions. And he was very upset with me when he saw me next. Also, someone mentioned, I can't remember who it was, that they're sad that we call him Stupid Matt. No, he wants us to call him Stupid Matt. If I stop calling him Stupid Matt, he'd probably... (laughs) Here's what happens when I call him Stupid Matt. He goes, Stupid Matt! He sings his own theme song about being Stupid Matt. So Stupid Matt had two questions. Uh, First one, ketchup on fries or on the side? Oh, um, on the side. On. <gasps> you monster. Ketchup on. Gravy not on. What? Gravy dip. No, gravy on. No, gravy dip. Side of gravy. Gravy on. Unless it's a chalet, in which case I just take some chicken, some fries, some bread, and I just we, dunk we, we it. Know, we know what you do. We know what you do with your chalet sauce, you monster. I it in my face. Uh, and Matt had a second question. If you had to reboot a beloved children's franchise into a dark, dark in, into a dark and gritty. Oh. Oh, that's totally. Magic school bus. No, no, I I could have, but no, it would definitely be Shira. You want a dark and gritty up Shira? You want to like hardcore oh, Conan the Barbarian Shira? I would, I would, yeah. Um, I think that would be make an epic, like an epic comic book series. Silverhawks. Silverhawks. Oh, all right. Thundercats got their shine. I want to get some. I want to get some. <laughs> so apparently there was some Silverhawks reference. In Thundercats. There, there was. Kaim will let me know. I've never got that far. Sorry, homie. Um, but no, yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see Silverhawks get some get some redo. So there you go, stupid Matt. There you go. We answered your questions. If you have any more questions you'd like to ask for us for something that will probably end up becoming a Patreon bonus at some point, you can get at us on all our socials, Twitter at GeekDownPod. Don't bother no, with Tumblr. Uh, email GeekDownPod at gmail.com and the facebook group which is at www.facebook.com forward slash geek down pod 
playing my proper role this time. <laughs> uh, and that is just about going to do it. Yeah, for light and tight, here I am looking at 90 minutes. Woo! This is Woo! how we do. This is why I laughed and laughed and laughed <laughs> because there was no chance. No There were chance. so many updates. There were questions. We're just, we're just too damn popular. We're too, too damn popular. And you know what? Hmm. We are just too funny. We're having too, <laughs> too good much of a time. <laughs> Sunshine Bubbles and Scarlet Ember. Too much fun. Having too much fun. So we got to stop having fun because somebody's got to go fucking work all night. And somebody probably wants to get home before 10 o'clock tonight. And so, I have homework to do. Home, oh, homework? What? Yeah. I take classes. Your, your French homework? Yeah. You already went to French immersion. How do you still need more French? Um... It's a really complicated story. Uh, we don't have time for it then. No. Um, but I'm basically, I, I'm trying to get a, a certificate to say that I know French. Oh. That's the, that's the short version. Welcome to the world today. No matter what it is, whether you need to do, whether you know how to do it or not, you need a certificate from somebody else telling you that you can do it. And it's a good review. Welcome to the cottage industry of certifications. Fuck the world. Anyway. <laughs> wow. And on that note, everyone. On that note, we're going to take our leave. Friends, thank you so much for joining us here on the Geek Down Pod. We love doing it for you. We hope you enjoyed as well. We will be back here next week for what will probably be a life-changing episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Do you think so? Nothing will ever be the same. So enjoy the theme song now. Uh, we'll be back with you next week for another episode of the Geek Down Pod. Thank you so much, friends. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin Kinnett. And we will be back with you again here next week. come to the yard <laughs> they're they're not the titular milkshake no uh they come uh, why do the boys come to the yard Caitlin? to play D D with me <laughs> <laughs> my campaign brings all the boys to the yard <laughs> yeah basically um and then i yell at them because i'm actually just an old person hey there's been a bug drowned in the coffee <laughs> the entire time <laughs>